0: Good morning everyone, welcome to episode one of the Morning Roast Podcast. I am your host, Riley Malone. For the record, it has taken me a while to record and publish the first episode of the pod, mainly because of all the craziness that has come with this coronavirus outbreak. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it because we're going to talk about it plenty on today's episode. We've got several segments related to COVID-19 that we're going to talk about today, but I just wanted to say up front, I know if you listen to episode zero of the pod that I posted probably about two months ago now, if you listen to that one, I said that I would come out with an episode as of March 1st. That quite obviously didn't happen. It is May 3rd now, going on May 4th, and I am just now posting episode one. So for those of you that have been anxiously waiting, for this episode to come out. I apologize. We're here now. Let's get to it. If you're new to the show here on The Morning Roast, we talk about anything and everything from current events to crazy science topics to things you should Google when you're bored. However, all of the topics that we talk about here relate to the topics we discuss in my high school biology class. I started this podcast to relate what's going on in the world today to the science topics we talk about in my classroom the most common question i hear from my students is why do i need to learn this why is this important and i'm here to talk about why it's important i want to show my students and everyone who listens to this show that what we talk about in my classes relates to current events and real world issues i try to release an episode every other week. So you can stay up to date on what's going on in the world of science and biology today. And maybe share what you learned with your friends, family, coworkers, even random people you meet on the street. I don't advise you actually do this, just saying. And with all of that being said, here's what we've got brewing today. First segment, this episode of The Morning Roast is brought to you by Death Wish Coffee. So for those of you that don't know, the name of this podcast, The Morning Roast, was born out of my love for coffee. If I'm being honest, I mainly drink coffee out of necessity. It's what gets me going almost every single morning, sometimes into the afternoon and even in the night if I'm pulling an all-nighter. It doesn't happen often, but still, very, very necessary. So for that reason, I always dedicate each episode to the coffee I am drinking that week. So this week... Episode 1 of the Morning Roast Podcast is brought to you by Death Wish Coffee. Death Wish Coffee, cut the check. This coffee is loaded with caffeine that has been intensified by a process of bean selection and roasting. It is made of responsibly sourced Arabica and Indian Robusta beans. And it's actually the Robusta beans giving the coffee its extra caffeine kick. If you're the type of person that is constantly needing something to keep you awake or keep you going, this coffee is for you. If you're the type of person that gets hyped up on a Coke, or if you have heart problems, this coffee might actually live up to its name, so you might want to watch out. It's strong, it's heavy, it's slightly bitter, but it's absolutely delicious. Probably my favorite coffee so far. Also, Deathwish Coffee contains roughly 600 plus milligrams of caffeine per cup. And that is way more than the average 100 to 200 milligrams of caffeine per cup of your average black coffee. So one cup of this stuff has more caffeine than a normal human being should consume in one day, and that's probably about 500 milligrams according to the FDA. This stuff could literally give you a heart attack, and I'm perfectly okay with that because it'll keep me going all day long. Again, this episode of the Morning Roast was brought to you by Deathwish Coffee, available at your local grocery store and online. Next segment COVID 19. What we know, what we don't. When was the last time you even thought about viruses? Maybe it was the Zika virus back in 2015, maybe it was Ebola back in 2013 maybe you don't remember either of those you just remember talking about the swine flu back in 2009 or maybe you just think about the seasonal flu that everybody gets every year and you're constantly going getting your flu shot every year so in the hopes that you do not get the seasonal flu all right viruses are a huge part of our lives despite whether we think about it or not more than likely when you were little You had to go to the doctor's office and get a bunch of shots for diseases you've never, still probably have never even heard of. Like measles or the mumps, polio, etc. Or every year you might go get a flu shot so that hopefully you don't get really sick and have to miss school or work. Some of you may intentionally not get a flu shot in the hopes of having to miss school or work because you got sick. Not a smart move, but hey, you do you all of these diseases that i just mentioned are caused by viruses but what exactly is a virus what is it made of is it alive why should i be worried or why should i not be worried about the current covid 19 virus i'm here to talk about it all right first off we're going to talk about what viruses even are all right and i'm going to begin by saying that viruses are primarily a small piece of genetic material. Which, for those of you that don't know, genetic material, when I refer to that, I'm talking about DNA in most cases, sometimes RNA. RNA is just a different type of genetic material, very, very similar to DNA, although there are some differences. But primarily DNA, and DNA is the set of instructions inside each and every one of our cells that makes us who we are, that makes you, you. Your DNA is what codes for you to have two ears. What codes for you to have blue eyes instead of green eyes or brown eyes? What codes for you to have brown hair instead of red or blonde hair? Right, It makes you you. It makes you human. Now, in a majority of viruses, this genetic material, this DNA, is wrapped in protein. And it helps protect the genetic material inside. These little balls of DNA and protein latch on to one of your living cells inside of your body... And they trick your cells into making more and more copies of themselves. And in hardly no time at all, your body can be full of the viral DNA and they can cause you to develop certain diseases. For example, there are several different kinds of flu virus, but one that's most common is called H1N1. And if you become infected with H1N1 virus, you can develop the disease that we refer to as the flu. Same with the coronavirus. The actual virus is called SARS-CoV-2, which is short for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, and is one of the many different kinds of coronavirus. By the way, the name Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2 is unnecessarily long. right? It's just one of the many different kinds of disease names that some smart doctor somewhere has to come up with this huge convoluted complicated name to describe something but to be fair there are so many different kinds of viruses and so many different kinds of diseases that I can kind of understand a little bit why it has to be so complicated then again make it shorter so we can understand it come on when we refer to the actual disease caused by the virus SARS-CoV-2 We refer to it as COVID-19, which is just short for coronavirus disease. The 19 indicates that the year the virus became prevalent was 2019. That's in human populations. Something we talk about in my biology class all the time, uh, specifically towards the beginning of our classes, beginning of the semester, is whether or not viruses are considered living or non-living. Of course, when you talk about biology, right, in my classes, we're talking about Living things. Biology, that is the study of life. And to talk about life, to talk about living things, you have to distinguish between what is living and what is non living. Now, there are several different characteristics that all living things have. When we talk about whether viruses are living or non living, this classification is widely debated in the scientific community because viruses tend to ride the thin line between living and non-living. Talking about these characteristics, there are several characteristics that are the same in all living things. For example, all living things are made of cells. In humans, we're made of several different kinds. We have skin cells all over our body. We have cells that make up the lining of our stomach. We have cells that make up our lungs. We have muscle cells that make up the cardiac muscles in our heart, or that make up all of the muscles in our body that help us move and get around. We are made of all different kinds of cells, and all living things have cells. Another one is that all living things are based on a genetic code called DNA. And even another one, all living things can reproduce. Now, there are some exceptions to this rule. When you cross a horse and a donkey, you get a mule. Now, that mule cannot reproduce it is born sterile that is one exception to the rule because we consider mules living things when you go out in the field and you see a mule you would say that that is a living thing even though it cannot reproduce but like i was saying there are some exceptions to the rule but for the sake of time we will only talk about the ones that matter all right so that means we're going to talk about a few that viruses do in fact have Some of the characteristics of living things that viruses do have. One is that viruses are based on DNA. They do have that genetic material that all living things have. However, they are not made of cells. They can evolve and adapt. One basic characteristic of life that all living things have is evolving and adapting. All living things can evolve and adapt. They can change over time. Viruses can do this. There are actually studies that have been done that show that viruses can take pieces of genetic material, pieces of DNA from their host cells and incorporate it into their own, which is amazing. That means that they can take pieces of DNA from their host cell and actually use it in their own genetic makeup. They can change Over time, which is something that is fundamental to all living things. Another characteristic of life is that all living things can obtain and use energy. Humans do that by eating food, and that gives us the energy to go about our day and to live a good, healthy life. Viruses cannot obtain and use energy. When we talk about living things and we talk about the characteristics of all living things, to be considered a living thing, according to our current scientific Definition of life, you have to have all of those characteristics. And I already mentioned there are some exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, you have to have all of those characteristics of life to be considered a living thing. Viruses only have two, maybe three of those characteristics. So, according to our current definition, viruses aren't even living things. However, they can still do tremendous amounts of damage. To our bodies. Even knowing all of this is about viruses in general, there are still several things that we do know and several things that we do not know about this particular coronavirus. And this is all according to a recent article published by CNN. Here's what we know we know that the virus spreads mainly through contact with people who are showing symptoms of the virus that's fever, chills, cough, a headache, etc. Most of these are the same symptoms of the seasonal flu. The one that thousands of people get every single year. But one really important symptom of the coronavirus is shortness of breath. If you have shortness of breath along with all of these other symptoms, there's a good chance that you have coronavirus. You need to go get checked out. Now this spread is mainly through contact with other symptomatic people. And when I say symptomatic people, that means people who are showing these symptoms. And it's mainly spread through what we call respiratory droplets, which for those of you that are unaware is saliva, right? Mucus, gross. So if a sick person coughs or sneezes in your direction, you might be in trouble. We also know that it can spread through contact with contaminated surfaces. COVID-19 can live on various surfaces anywhere from several hours to several days. Several days this virus can live on a surface that you can touch and spread to yourself. So if I had coronavirus and I coughed on a table and you made a sandwich on that same table and you eat that sandwich, guess what? I just gave you the Rona you might want to go get checked out. There has been some documented cases of asymptomatic spread. What that means is there have been studies done that show a person who has coronavirus, but is not showing signs or symptoms yet can still pass it on to other people. They say that you may have symptoms of coronavirus anywhere from one to two weeks after you actually get the virus. You may have the virus for two weeks and not even know it, and you could be spreading it around that entire time. But back to what I was saying, even if you don't have symptoms, it's still possible to spread it to other people. However, this has only happened in roughly 6-13% to of documented cases. So as far as we know, it is highly unlikely that you will get sick from contact with a seemingly healthy person. But there's also a small chance that you do, so we still have to be careful. Another thing that we do know is that the virus is actually pretty contagious. So studies have shown that the basic reproductive rate of COVID-19 is about two. What that means is an infected person will most likely also infect two other people. That's roughly double the reproductive rate of the seasonal flu. So if we're comparing the coronavirus to the seasonal flu that thousands of people get every year in the U.S., coronavirus is actually twice as contagious as the normal flu. That's a big jump. All of that is what we currently know. Those are the facts. Here's what we don't know. We still do not know yet if the virus is changing genetically in any significant way. Uh, I mentioned earlier that viruses have the ability to change over time, to evolve. They can take pieces of their host cells, genetic material incorporate it into their own. They can change over time. And what that means is in some cases, viruses have the ability to change so much that it's almost like they are a completely different virus. And now people have to not only worry about, One virus, but multiple. We do not yet have a working vaccine. Although there are many candidates and trials have begun on finding a vaccine, we still do not have a working vaccine. And for those of you that don't know, vaccines are one of the only ways to actually prevent getting a virus. Last but not least... We do not yet know which treatments work best at treating or preventing the disease. So as far as what you should do to stay healthy and to keep from getting COVID-19, not a lot of people know right now. Now there is more and more news coming out every single day. So make sure you're keeping up to date on current events, especially from reputable sources like the World Health Organization. But until that day comes... Here's a few things that you need to remember, a few tips to stay as healthy as possible and to keep you from getting the, the disease. First and foremost, wash your hands. If you come into contact with a contaminated individual, with an infected person who has COVID 19, and you shake their hand as a greeting, like we all do, and then you touch your face and you go home and you're eating food, right, and you're ingesting all of that virus, you're gonna get the virus. So wash your hands, okay? Another one would be to remain socially distant. Now I'm sure you've heard on social media or on the news about social distancing, staying at least six feet away from everyone. You might have gone to Walmart or Home Depot and stood in the checkout line and there are lines on the ground denoting where you should stand six feet away from the person in front of you. We're all trying to remain socially distant because studies have shown that is one surefire way of preventing you from getting the disease, from staying away from potentially infected people. So continue to social distance yourself. Stay six feet away from everybody. Keep doing that. Even though a lot of people are opening back up their businesses, we're allowed to get out of the house and go out now. You still need to remain socially distant if you want to prevent getting coronavirus. Another tip, don't touch your face. Even if you do come into contact with a contaminated surface, if you don't do anything else until you get home to wash your hands or you get to a sink and wash your hands, you'll still be okay. The virus has to get inside of you to do its magic. So as long as you're not touching your face and you're washing your hands and you're remaining socially distant, you should be okay. And last but not least, be patient. I'm going to say that right now, but I'll explain it after our next segment. Long story short, it is important to stay positive through this whole situation. It's really easy to get negative down in the dumps about this whole thing. Oh, we're stuck inside our houses. I'm so sick of not being able to go out to the Mexican restaurant to get my chips and queso. I get it. However we've got to stay positive through this whole situation. Use it as a learning opportunity. Listen to my podcast and learn more about viruses or learn more about a favorite hobby or a favorite subject. Don't just waste this time staying at home, doing nothing. All right. Use this time to better yourselves. Turn it into a positive opportunity. And with that being said, we're going to move into our final segment Are you vaccinated? With the recent outbreak of coronavirus across the globe, many people are wondering when we will be able to receive a COVID-19 vaccine at our doctor's office. And I know a lot of people have heard of vaccines. You know what they are. You get them when you're really little, when you're young, to keep you from getting a lot of diseases that you may not even know about. A large majority of people are required to be vaccinated before they even attend school. For example, before I went to college, I had to make sure that I was up to date on all of my vaccines before I could receive any financial aid, before I could even be admitted to the school. I had to prove that I had all my vaccines. However, you may not know exactly what vaccines are and why they are so important, so I'm here to talk about it. For the sake of time, I will briefly describe what vaccines are, but please remember, if you want to know more about a topic, about anything that we talk about on this podcast, on The Morning Roast, if you want to know any more about any of these topics, hit up the old Google machine, tap, tap into the large amount of resources that you have at your disposal, at your very fingertips. Just to talk a little about what vaccines actually are. Vaccines are simply dead, quote-unquote, copies of the virus that are subsequently injected into you to help strengthen your immune system's ability to fight off the virus and keep you healthy. I say dead, quote unquote, because we don't actually consider viruses living. So if you're not actually a living thing, you cannot actually be considered dead. You cannot actually die. What they do, they take a small sample of this virus. They take out the DNA or the RNA, the thing that is going to give it the ability to reproduce inside of your body, to make more copies of itself, to spread and to make you sick. We take away that ability by taking out the DNA and the RNA. And once that's done, they have this shell that's left over, the protein that was protecting the DNA, and they inject that into you so, that your immune system can become accustomed to that virus, to keep, it can become accustomed to fighting off that particular protein, and it helps strengthen your immune system's ability to fight that virus off and to hopefully, more than likely, keep you healthy. Now, many people are under the impression that we may have a vaccine for COVID 19 within a year, maybe a year and a half. However, According to a recent article published by National Geographic, this may not actually be the case. Now, in most cases, vaccines must undergo a long process of clinical trials and testing before it can be approved for human use. And that's actually a great thing. You want to make sure that what you are about to inject in your body is completely safe for you to do so, so that you don't get sick simply from injecting something into your body. So these clinical trials testing the safety and the usefulness of the vaccine are very important. Now, one of the vaccines that was the quickest to be produced was the mumps vaccine. And that took almost four years to complete the process. They started from the time they started collecting samples of the mumps virus To when they got the vaccine licensed in 1967. It took four total years to complete the process. Which is a long time. That's four years of people continuing to get this disease without any way to prevent it. Now luckily we just found out about this new coronavirus. This is a new virus so we are early in this process. However, it still may take a long time to develop a COVID-19 vaccine. Vaccines undergo three phases of clinical trials. And the first phase of coronavirus clinical trials aren't scheduled for completion until this fall, possibly the spring of 2021, maybe even later than that. And that's just the first phase. There's still two phases after that. And then companies will have to license that vaccine so that it can be distributed to doctors so that humans, like ourselves, can get that vaccine and prevent this very contagious, deadly virus. Long story short, and this goes back to the tips that I was talking about on the last segment, we have to be patient. It may be a minute before we get a working vaccine. It might be a while before people are actually given a viable option to treat and prevent COVID-19. But until then, we still need to do our part to make sure that we are not spreading this virus around. We are not spreading this virus to people who maybe can't fight it off themselves. I'm sure there's a lot of young people out there, probably a lot of my students, who are wondering why they even have to be socially distant in the first place, why they have to stay six feet away from their friends. However, if you do get coronavirus, because even though it is highly unlikely, young people can still get coronavirus and you still have the potential to spread it to somebody who cannot protect themselves, like your grandparents, for example. The last thing that you want to do is be responsible for spreading a deadly virus to somebody else who cannot protect themselves from that virus. So first and foremost, be patient. At some point in the future, whether that's actually a year from now or even longer than that, like the four years it took for the mumps virus vaccine, it may be a minute. So be patient. And while you are being patient and waiting for this vaccine to be developed, wash your hands, stay six feet away from everybody, don't touch your face, flatten the curve. Like I'm sure you've heard a lot of news and social media people say. Let's prevent the spread of this deadly virus. And now you've reached the part of the show where I say thank you for listening to this week's episode. I do this show for fun, but it makes it even better knowing that some people are getting some enjoyment out of it. So again, I thank you. While you're here, there are actually three things that I need you to do. First off, if you like the show, if you like what we talk about, all the cool science stuff that we will talk about, I know today was mainly focused on COVID-19, but in future episodes we are going to talk about more and more and more, so stay tuned. If you like what we talk about, hit that like and subscribe button. Also make sure you rate and review the show, drop a quick line or a quick comment so that other people know that you like the show and why they should like the show too. And lastly... Share this show with at least two other people in your life that need more science, that would enjoy the content that we talk about here. As always, if you want to keep up with the show on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Morning Roast Pod. If you have any comments, questions, any opinions on anything we covered today, I would love to hear it. Either DM me on Twitter at Morning Roast Pod or send me an email at Morning themorningroast365 at gmail.com and again thank you for tuning into the show I hope y'all have a great week and I hope y'all join me next time here at The Morning Roast